Hello and welcome to Cannon and Cockrell. My name is Michael and I'm a Spurs fan. And I'm Jason and I'm an Arsenal fan. And we have come to the end of the international break, which normally I greet the international break with a bit of annoyance because it breaks up the Premier League. It takes me away from my beloved Tottenham. But this time round, I was very, very happy for a welcome relief from the car crash that was Tottenham's last two games against Bayern Munich and Brighton, which I'm sure we'll get to. But mm. so I can forget that those happened for just a few minutes longer. Jason, maybe you can kick us off with how are things going at Arsenal? Absolutely. Well, Arsenal have been what a lot of people will say a breath of fresh air. For me, it's probably same old Arsenal. We do know that Arsenal have this tendency to to go on a run sometimes when they're not particularly playing well, um, to mask the state of the team with some good results, um, barely scraping by, you know. We should have probably got a result out of that United game uh, better than the one all, but, you know, you would have taken a draw in those circumstances. Um, 1-0 against Bournemouth isn't good enough, and I'll go on to that a bit later because I was actually at the game, um, and barely scraping through Villa. I mean, it's, it was all very tight wins against... Um, teams that are underperforming you know Villa haven't been getting the results Bournemouth haven't been their usual selves United certainly haven't been well they probably have been their usual selves as the past few years and we still can't get those um established um I'm, I'm gonna call them luxury wins you know watching what used to be the Arsenal way the flourishing passing the the beautifully crafted goals the pace the skillage the 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 attacking flair um it leads to me to believe again, adding to my um, concerns about the the managerial style that that the strategy um, and the style just hasn't been established. We still don't know our best lineup. Um, our record signing and Pepe still doesn't look comfortable in the Premier League, or let alone the Arsenal side at all. Um, it's pretty damning to come off so early in the in the Bournemouth game as well. I think the international break comes at a good time for everyone to take stock and say, okay, right now we're meeting our targets. We're in all competitions. We're third in the league. We know that City and Liverpool are miles above us. We're the best of the rest for now. Um, We went on about a 20 or so game unbeaten run last year. Um, I don't think we were as as high in the table, but also I think all the other teams were performing uh, better to their ability. Um, so, so I, I worry that that it's it's only a matter of time that Monday will come. Will be away to Sheffield United. You can write the headline already. Billy Sharp comes off the bench, scores, makes it two-one to Sheffield United. Emery putting his hand in his hair, the rain dripping down. You know, all the players, David Luiz and Mustafi, probably looking at each other, and then Spurs will go and win, and then you know it. it, it It'll it'll happen again. Is is my my honest opinion. I think I can't complain. I can't complain at all because we're in that amazing position. But I worry that it's going to become same old Arsenal, and that's that's be, me being a very pessimistic gooner. But the style isn't there. I'm not enjoying watching Arsenal play at the moment. And how about you? Because I know it's been a it's been a great um, it's been a great it was a great uh, few days for Spurs. You know. Um, I think uh, there are ten reasons um, to be to be cheerful. Seven, seven in Germany, uh, three down in Brighton. But um, I'm sure you'll be able to elaborate further coming coming from the perspective of um, a loyal Spurs fan who um, surprise hasn't jumped ship up based on the last couple of weeks. 
Yeah, it's funny. It's probably been the worst week that we've had for quite a long time. Um, the Bayern Munich game, I was there, and it's so strange because for the first 10, 15 minutes, obviously we went 1-0 up. We could have scored two or three. We were absolutely all over them, and I thought, wow, this is great. This is peak Pochettino Spurs, back in their prime, high press, intense attacking football, and it looked like it was going to be another one of those great sort of European nights at, at White Hart Lane that would really set us up well for the season. And then... Oh, it was a great European night. It <laughs> must be honest. Uh, we go we go in at halftime 2-1 down and conceding just before halftime as we did against Arsenal, as we did against Olympiacos. And you thought, OK, here we go again. And then we came out in the second half and just completely fell to pieces. Obviously, we got that penalty to make it 4-2. But we just completely fell apart in a manner that I don't think I've seen since probably that Newcastle game on the last day, which I'm sure I don't need to remind you about. Um, and obviously, when it comes to being humiliated by Bayern Munich in the Champions League, nobody knows how this feels better than you do. But I, on that night, it really did feel like a, um, a turning point for the team, for Pochettino. When the fifth goal went in to make it 5-2, me and my dad actually got up to leave. And as I was halfway down Tottenham High Road, walking back to the Tube, I checked my phone and saw it was 7-2. And to be honest, I was sort of shocked, but also not really surprised based on how that second half had gone. And at the time, I definitely blamed Pochettino for how he'd set the team up because we were way too exposed on the counter-attack. But then obviously we saw what happened against Brighton, where actually I felt Pochettino had made the sort of changes that the fans had wanted him to after after the Bayern game. He changed the formation at halftime against Brighton, he made a halftime substitution, which he normally never does. It's normally the big frustration with Pochettino is that he's so late to make changes. But he was proactive. He made changes against Brighton. And we still lost 3-0. And actually, and I said this to you on, on Messenger, the Brighton game for me, even though it was 3-0 as opposed to 7-2, which was the first time we've conceded seven goals at home in a competitive game in our history, um, the Brighton game for me was worse than Bayern. Because at least in the Bayern game, for about half an hour, we did play well and it looked like we could win. Whereas Brighton, from minute one through to the end, we were just completely lacking in, in anything, really. Anything going forward, anything at the back. Obviously, the game started off in horrendous circumstances with the Larice mistake and an injury, which is probably the worst possible way you could start a game coming off of the 7-2. And obviously, it's a, you know, it's a blow that he's going to be out injured now. And the players' heads dropped after that, I think. But it still doesn't excuse what happened afterwards, even though obviously players are human beings, that sort of stuff is going to affect them. It, it doesn't excuse then the performance that followed that. And the Bayern game, you sort of kind of felt like, even though there's no excuse for losing 7-2 at home, regardless of the opposition and regardless of the occasion, there was an element of it where it felt a little bit freakish. You thought, OK, everything they shot went in. Maybe it was just a kind of one-off. They got us at a bad time. They were ruthless. You know, maybe things all improve but then to follow it up with that Brighton performance that was much more worrying and I think finally it's like the um uh, the, it, things have been lifted now at Tottenham the, the problems that maybe people it, myself included had been denying for a while have finally sort of come to the surface and we've spoken about it on here before where I kind of realized talking through our first choice defense that it was almost an entire defense worth of players who we probably would have been happy to let go this summer and who would have been happy to leave this summer Danny Rose, Alder Vireld, Serge Aurier, who, you know, Aurier and, and Rose are just complete liabilities at the back now. And I don't think they offer enough going forward to make up for that. 
Analdeveld and Vertonghen, I think, sadly, are looking their age now. They look very slow up against young, pacier players. And it doesn't help when we're set up in a way that exposes them. But also, you know, you look in our midfield and the players who used to offer that protection to the defence in Dyer and Wanyama are now completely destroyed by injuries, I think. Suzoko is a player who did a job for us last season, obviously is a fan favourite now, but isn't that high quality player. Undombele, I think, has been one of the few bright sparks of our season so far. He's been at the heart of a lot of the good things we've done, but is still adjusting to the league. Then obviously you've got Ericsson, who we know his head and his heart are somewhere else, and Deli Ali, who again has been struggling with injuries. And I think you look at that squad and it is in need of a dramatic refresh. It's frustrating that the Celso and Sessignon were both injured, so couldn't come into the team and you know, straight away, and frustrating that there were players who we couldn't sell over the summer who we wanted to. But I think what Pochettino needs to do now is what he did in his first season when he came to the club, when he got rid of the established players and brought through the youth with Harry Kane and Ryan Mason at that point. I, I want to see now Foyth is back, I want to see him playing. I'd rather have Kyle Walker-Peters playing ahead of Serge Aurier. Ben Davies isn't youth anymore, but I'd rather have him playing over Rose. Davinson Sanchez should be starting every game if Alderweireld and Matonga aren't going to be here next season, which looks like they won't be. If Sanchez is the future, then he should be starting. You know, build a team around him, around Winks, around the younger players. I don't understand what Mora has to do to actually start a game. He's always on the bench. You know, if we're going to lose games, I'd rather lose games with a team of players who I at least know want to be there and who are going to be there next season. So we're building for the future rather than playing a team of players who we all know aren't really in it anymore. Pochettino basically hinted as much in press conferences this season. And the type of football that Pochettino wants to play with the, the high press and high intensity you need players who are fully committed and who aren't going to be maybe worried about picking up injuries and ruining free transfers that they may be organising to Juventus or Real Madrid in January. So whew, I think there's a lot that needs to change in the playing squad. I think everybody's still behind Pochettino. Whether or not he's still committed to Tottenham for the long term, we'll find out at the end of the season. I think the Real Madrid job probably will become available sooner rather than later. And whether or not he'll turn it down this time would be interesting to see. But I think certainly... The playing squad needs an overhaul. And one stat that I saw, which I thought was quite interesting, which I think speaks to the heart of the most recent results and performances, is the average age of the squad has gradually crept up and up and up over the past few years to the point where now it's the oldest it's been for a long time. And I think simply that's the problem. We need the next generation of players to come through. And for various reasons, whether it be transfers not coming off or injuries, that hasn't happened. But despite how bad that week was, I think it will be very interesting to see what happens against Watford on Saturday, what team he puts out, what sort of performance we get, because if we win that game and put a few results together, I think we've got Belgrade in the Champions League again after that. I can see Pochettino turning it around, but I think a lot of changes need to happen in the lineup and in the atmosphere around the team for that to happen. But it wouldn't surprise me if... We look back at Bayern and Brighton as a blip, but at the same time, it also wouldn't surprise me if they were a sign of things to come as well. I think it could be one of those seasons, kind of like how it used to be at Tottenham, where you weren't really sure which team was going to turn up from week to week. Very inconsistent, maybe a bit more mentally fragile than we usually have been under Pochettino. And I think top four might actually be a struggle when you look at how well Leicester are doing. Chelsea seem to have turned it round. Arsenal are in a good position at the moment. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I Beyond wanting a complete overhaul of the, the playing 
team. I'm, I'm really not sure what to expect now from Tottenham going forward. It did feel like we were in a very bad spiral and the international break came at a good time for us to kind of stop that slide. It's just now a, a t- to wait and see whether that continues or whether we can pick things up. But I'm sure you uh, you must be absolutely loving this. Yeah, I mean, listen, as, as an Arsenal fan, it's absolutely fantastic to, to listen to, to be honest, and to witness. And uh, I can sense from Spurs fans online, from listening to you, from speaking to, to, to friends who are Spurs fans, not Spurs friends. I don't think that exists um, in my life. Um, you know, I, se- I, I sense frustration and anger, but I also sense a, a hint of emotion and sadness that, you know, the, the club have, have built from being a mid-table club who were not even challenging, um, to building towards consistency, to getting in and amongst the top teams, um, in and amongst the top competitions, to net, to even challenging right to the bitter end, whether it be um, up there in, in, in the league tables or, as the case is last year, um, a Champions League final. And to be so close and nearly there, not to build upon that momentum, is... It's something that I can slightly empathise with, with as an Arsenal fan. I've seen the club be so close, have an injury that ruined things, or one position wasn't quite right. We filled that position, but we lose another position, and then we're still missing someone. And then someone else leaves because they they don't like the way the, the squad is being run or the, or the management um, strategy. And then you've got three players suddenly you need, and then you bring them in. But then the circumstances aren't right. And it, it, it's all a bit of a jigsaw puzzle. And I, uh, being a, thinking a bit philosophically, whether it's not necessary, I always say it's not necessarily about the best team in terms of the best individuals playing on paper. It's not necessarily the manager who has the, the most trophies in the closet. You know, Otherwise, Jose Mourinho would have been still at Man United winning Champions Leagues and Premier Leagues. Um, and Leicester wouldn't even have had a had a shoe in. So it's it's something about the formula of a successful team. There's there's there's, there's something that special that special source that chemistry that comes together at a moment in history as well. And and for some reason or another, this group of players for Spurs have not been able to do it. And and it might be that that this is the time to break it up. You know, we had a special team at Arsenal. I believe in 2008, it was a young team, but they all had their roles. They were all very functional. They had great chemistry. There were injuries and whatnot, but they didn't they didn't have that mentality to, to get them over the line. But for example, when we had probably what I would say on paper is is our, uh, using casual terms, uh, our weakest team, we managed to win three FA Cups within four years. So it's it's not necessarily about you know the specific players um, or the best players. It's it's about it's about making sure that the jigsaw fits together. And and as you say, there are players who clearly haven't wanted to be there. Um, I've pointed out a few times. Danny Rose has vocally come out in the papers and said that he doesn't want to be there. But also, there's been media speculation about Deli Ali, about Christian Eriksen, of course, who hasn't. From what I've seen, uh, done, done much, done, done much to, uh, to quash those rumours, um, and I, I think it just needs freshening up because, like the Wenger days, when we knew the players weren't playing for the manager anymore, they weren't bought into the style, they weren't competing for the top top honours 
we knew it was time to change up, whether that was the manager, the personnel, or both. And we've done that. And we're, we seem to be going on an upward trajectory, as it stands, based on, on Wenger's last years. And I, I almost have no doubt that if Spurs were to freshen up the management, someone who potentially will give those young players a chance again, like Pochettino did at the beginning. Maybe he doesn't... He, he he didn't have a choice at the beginning. Perhaps now he has the the money and he has spent a little bit more. He he doesn't he doesn't really want to 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 to, to rock the boat and risk it um, at this stage anymore. Um, and it'll just be so interesting to see whether Spurs under you know a visionary manager like Allegri, although I heard he's going to Man United, um, or just someone young and dynamic who's who's been there, done that, and won things. Um, and bringing in a couple of players who have won won, won uh, the big honours. And it's a shame because for, for Spurs, not for Arsenal, but you get to a Champions League final, you capitalise on that. You you wave your flag and you say, we're one of the top clubs in England. We've shown our credentials in Europe. We have money. We have a new stadium. Come join us. Dybala not getting over the line on deadline day was probably the worst thing that's happened to Spurs in modern day history. Because for me, that would have been the signal that we mean business. And as an Arsenal fan, I, I remember saying to my friends, if Spurs signed Barla, I'll be scared. You didn't sign him. And quite frankly, I'm not scared of that team anymore. And I used to be. I used to be like, oh my God, we're coming up against, up against Harry Kane now. I know he scored against us uh, recently but that, that's not the point and I knew it was a penalty but but there's no longer that fear factor that defensive line and no longer that solid unit the goalkeeper and I hope he gets better soon you know in terms of his playing performance is not the feared keeper he once was he doesn't play those blinders as often as he does um if you look at the level of someone like David De Gea um so it's just it's just gone stale at Spurs, and they they need to pull something out of the bag now because they risk falling further and further, um, and because they don't have that established history as one of the top 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 clubs, they're not necessarily do a bounce back like Liverpool, or that um, that Man United will I believe inevitably um, have an Arsenal. They could go down down and down. The stadium is the only thing, and that commercial aspect probably the only thing that the 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 counters that argument, but. But for me, on paper, the excitement and, and the, the buzz around Spurs being this new, creative, innovative team, the bubbles burst for me. And I don't know whether you agree with that. Well, what I, what I think is interesting is what you said about the, the team, because a few seasons ago, I probably would have, you know, I wouldn't have swapped any of our players for anyone else. You know, I'd have looked at our, our first team and gone, I, I wouldn't, you know, change a single player. Whereas now I'd say there's probably only a handful of players, maybe five or six players, who I'd be sad to see leave at the moment. Probably Kane, obviously, Son, Mora, Ali, Winks, and Undombele. And I think, to be honest, other than those six, I wouldn't mind if anybody else left. Wow. Which, a few seasons ago, if you know, you told me there's only a, almost a small handful of players who I'd want to keep, you know. But it kind of comes to the point you were making as well that you know i remember leaving the i went to to wembley for the fa cup semi-final between man united and tottenham i think season before last where we lost 2-1 and i remember thinking then do you know what 
I'm pretty relaxed now about if we lose some of these players because the fact of the matter is when push comes to shove, they, they haven't done it. You know, for whatever reason, whether it's just been inexperience or bad luck or coming up against a team who are better than them on the day, the fact of the matter is they got to an FA Cup semi-final against, well, they got to in Pochettino's first season, got to a League Cup final against Chelsea, lost 2-0. Okay, Chelsea won the title that year with a better team, fair enough. Ended up in a title race we didn't expect to get into against Leicester, but still couldn't capitalise on a season where all the other teams were napping and, and actually the title was there for the taking. The next season against Chelsea, okay, they were great that year, but still it was another chance to win the title, didn't take it. Lost to Chelsea in the FA Cup semi-final that year, again, the year where Chelsea won the title, but still losing to Man United in that FA Cup semi-final, going out penalties to Chelsea in the, the League Cup semi-final last season, losing in the Champions League final to Liverpool, None of those matches on their own are a disgrace to lose. You know, losing to Liverpool in the Champions League final, losing to Chelsea or Man United in semi-finals. These are things that that much better teams than, than us that that, that that will happen to. But still, it's repeatedly not getting over the line. And for whatever reason, this team, when they just they they couldn't do it. They didn't have whatever that extra thing that you need to win those matches. Maybe you'd say it, you know the management's part of that problem as well. But the fact of the matter is. It is time. I think teams, as you said, do have expiration dates. This team's had an opportunity to win things, hasn't taken it. And a lot of them aren't as good as they used to be. And as I said, there's only, you know, now when I look at other teams, I think I said it before for the Leicester game, I'd have taken their fullbacks over us. I'd have rather had Chilwell and Pereira than, than Rose and Aurier. You know, I'd probably even rather have Madison than Ericsson at the moment. You know, I look at other teams now and and I look enviously at, at players who I want playing for us, whereas beforehand, I mean, that season when we did finish second to Chelsea and all our players were firing, I looked at our team from front to back and I thought, yeah, wouldn't swap Lloris for anyone. Wouldn't swap Rosen Walker for anyone. Wouldn't swap Alderweireld and Vertonghen. Wouldn't swap Dembele or, or Dyer or Eriksson or Ali or Son or Kane. I looked at that whole team and thought, perfectly happy with that whole first eleven. Whereas now I look at it and almost every game, regardless of which changes we make, I look at the team and I think... Not sure about this position, not sure about there, not sure about that. As you said, it doesn't have, I mean, it doesn't have the same, if we as fans don't have the same confidence in it, then I'm not surprised to hear that you as an outsider don't have the same fear factor coming up against it because there are now more obvious weaknesses in this side than there were before. So it's funny, it's funny uh, what you what you were saying actually coincides very nicely with the game I thought we could play to lighten the mood slightly. Um, from the doom and gloom of Spurs to maybe a nostalgic Spurs, because I don't know if you remember just before I mentioned um, about that that famous Arsenal team for me, the the 2007-08 season when I knew when I, I knew very well when we, when we went to school together, a team that I thought was very dynamic um, and had that balance that almost won us the title. Um, what I've got in front of me is the Spurs squad. For that same season 2007 2008 wow. and what I've got here is the lineup from uh, from last week's game against uh, Brighton and I would like to know if I go through one by one and give you a comparison which players you would prefer from from that team from from the good old days the Spurs heart <laughs> um, obviously some of these might not be fair comparably but I'm very interested um, to see whether you put your money where your mouth is and, and see whether you are uh, how truly you you, you uh, are um, unenamored with the, the the Spurs lineup at the moment. So first one, hope it'll be an easy one for you. Who would you rather team now, Hugo Lloris or Paul Robinson? 
I, I think I, I would still go Hugo Lloris. Even in, even an injured Hugo Lloris. <laughs> yeah. yeah but, well, listen, the keeper can score a goal, to be fair. That's true. Um, at right back, currently on paper, apparently it's Musoko. Um, if if you insist, we'll, we'll call it we'll call it Serge Aurier for the purposes of um, of actual traditional positions. Um, there's quite a bit of a list here, but I'm going to go with Alan Hutton. Wow, Alan Hutton. I mean, you know, speaking, you said earlier about sometimes it's not the best team on paper that wins trophies. Alan Hutton has won a trophy with Tottenham, lest we forget the, the famous Carling Cup win. Ah. So, you ah. know, he's got the medal, so I'm going to go Alan Hutton. There you go. And I think you have to call it the League Cup nowadays. I don't know. The sponsorship rules and all that. Oh, yeah. Carabao. Speaking of Carabao, I've never actually, I don't think I've ever tried it. I haven't either. No, I think, I think if Barcelona or Spurs ever win the, the, that cup while it's under Carabao sponsorship, maybe you'll have to have a celebratory Carabao. Fair enough. On air. Yeah. On air. There you go. I'll be happy with that. Um, one of the centre-backs is Toby Old Vireld, or Spurs fans fondly call him Toby. Um, do you think he was um, of the ilk of a Mr. Number 26, Ledley King? I think you've always got to go for Ledley. Even, again, an injured Ledley King, probably. Well, yeah, I mean, he was injured all the time, even when he played. But even an injured Ledley King is probably better than most centre-backs when they're fully fit. Fair enough. Uh, Vertonghen, the, the, the Saints Vertonghen, who Spurs fans love and adore. Um, there are two centre-backs here I'd actually like to pose against him. Michael Dawson and Eunice Kabul. I do love Michael Dawson, but I think I'm going to have to go for Tongan here. Interesting. Good. So Vert, Vert stays. That's that's two out of four staying in the team. Um, at left back, Ben Davies played the other day. Danny Rose, obviously, um, was was actually at this club back in uh, 2008, would you believe? He's been there. Uh, there are a couple of players that could fit this position. Um, I don't think I even need to ask you. Um, but just uh, just to keep uh, appearances, um, I'm going to give you two options and then a wild card third. Um, Ricardo Rocha um, sounds like a chocolate to me. Um, Bene Asiocotto or Gareth Bale. Wow. Who would you rather have at left back right now, Ben Davies or Gareth Bale? I mean, I don't know if Gareth Bale can still play left back anymore. But you've got to have Bale in your team. So if you know if he's got Ledley King and Vertonghen there to, to to mop up any any mistakes that he might make defensively, I think it's worth it for for what he'll give you going forward. So yeah, you, you can't turn down the chance to have Gareth Bale back in the team. There you go. Bale returns to Spurs. Headline. Um, I think that should be the 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 podcast headline. Um, that that might that's not fake news at all. No. Uh, I mean, the midfield, looking at your midfield back then, is full of absolute legends. I mean, I'll throw some of the names out. Steed Malbronk, the noble Steed. Uh, Jamie O'Hara, the famous pencil man. We, we, all, we know Jamie O'Hara oh, well. We on know this. him from very first episode. Timu Tainio, Premier League legend. Legend. Didier Zakora, never scorer. Oh. Um, Jermaine Genus, obviously pundit extraordinaire. Tom Huddlestone, I mean... Big bad Tom, I think he still plays. He, he does. He uh, Derby. I mean, it's it's unbelievable the talent in this old squad. Adel Tarat, 
next big thing never was. Aaron Lennon still still bombing up and down the ring wing. I mean, at this time he was his stocks are high. Yeah. Um, do you remember a boy called Gilberto? Vaguely. I think he lasted a couple of days, a bit like a Maury Bischoff. Um, <laughs> Does he know what Very true. Um, Kevin Prince Boateng. I mean, what? Wow. It's He's a golden got... generation. Yeah. And David Hutton, but he doesn't even have a picture, so. <laughs> doesn't exist. Doesn't exist. David Hutton. Um, who out of those do you think would fit the uh, the two posi- the, the two um, midfield positions out of Dyer and, and Dombele? Hmm. Ooh. I mean, at the moment, I definitely have Genus in his prime back because... He loved the goal against Arsenal, Jermaine Genus, as well. He scored a lot of goals against Arsenal. Um, he knows. I do love Aaron Lennon. I, th- I think he was, you know, if, if we had Lennon in his prime, I think that's what we're missing a little bit of, you know, pace, direct, causing mayhem in the opposition box. Um, if you'd like, you can put him in one of these other two positions. So we've got we've got Lamella and Son just in front. So if, if you'd like to replace either of them or whether you'd, you'd want to you'd stick... I think, yeah, maybe maybe put uh, Lennon in one of those other positions, maybe instead of Lamella. Lennon for Lamella. Um, and maybe, actually, you know, with with Winkson, I think Winkson and Dembele will be a good central midfield partnership, so I'll keep them, but maybe have Lennon on the right and then Son on the left. Keeping Son. I think that's fair enough. Can't be shocked with that one. And uh, so who did you say was going to partner the, the famous genus? I think I'll 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 stick with I'll I'll, I'll leave genus in the in the past for now. Ah, so sticky with Dyer. Oh, well, no, actually, if it's mm, between genus and Dyer at the moment and probably probably genus, actually. It's genus and Ndombele. Yeah, we'll give, give genus and Ndombele a go. I think, that, I think that's a fair that's a fair team. Now, you have two positions left in your team. So you have the number 10 role traditionally or number 23 role, as Christian Eriksen likes to put it, um, and and the striker, so Harry Kane. Um, so you can choose any of those midfielders. But also, let me give you three names here. Who would you would you rather have Eriksen and Kane or two of Darren Bent, the the volleyball specialist? Dimitar Berbatov and or Robbie Keane. So I think I'm going to have to go with Kane and Keane. Oh, Kane and Keane, double K. I know Keane and Berbatov was the dream strike partnership. It was. But you've got to have Kane. And if I've got to choose between Keane and Berbatov, Robbie Keane just slightly edges it for me. Personal favourite, Robbie Keane. Who would captain your team out of all those? I mean, it's Ledley King, isn't it? I don't even need to ask. It is. It is Ledley King. You've got leaders all the way through the pitch there. You've got Lloris, you've got King, you've got Keane, uh, and Kane even. You've got, I mean, that is, I think that's some team there. That's some team. And and, uh, and just to put a spanner in the works, Juan de Ramos or Pochettino? I mean, one's won you a trophy, one's not... Well, that, I mean, that says it all in a way, doesn't it? About everybody saying Pochettino needs to win a trophy. Nobody talks about Juan de Ramos anymore. Um, I think Pochettino. 
I'd, I'd like to see what Pochettino would do with, with that team. Fair enough. So just to recap your Spurs team, if, if tomorrow they could line up again or on the weekend over against Watford, you would love to have Hugo Lloris in goal with a back four of Alan Hutton, Jan Vertonghen, Ledley King, Gareth Bale, and Dombele and Genus, Lennon and Son bumming down the wings while Keane feeds in to Harry Kane and Pochettino screams from the sidelines. That's that's a title-winning team right there. It sounds, it sounds like that a League Cup could be coming your way once more. <laughs> that was fun. I enjoyed that. Yeah, I thought, lighting the mood, the good old days, you know, when Spurs were rubbish, Arsenal were great, we knew where everything stood. We, Man City was just... Uh, was was uh, was just was just um, people people mistaking uh, <laughs> Man United for the city. Um, the good old days, I would say. Good bit of was, just, was just a bar in in Lisbon. Yeah. Those are the days. And I wonder with you with Arsenal. I mean, how much of that 07 08 Arsenal team? I mean, would you just have them all back? Put them all in. <laughs> Put them all in. And what about between Wenger and Emery? Oof. It's got to be I Wenger, mean, surely. I'd probably go for Wenger, yeah. Unbelievably. I think based on the fact that the man has a gold trophy in his in his uh, garden. I mean, he, the, the man went in a season unbeaten. He won the top prize. He got to a Champions League final. At the moment, what Emery's got us is David Luiz. So... <laughs> Whatever you say about Wenger, if I was going for my dream team, he would certainly be in it. I mean, I think that, you know, looking looking up front, Aubameyang and Lacazette probably keep them, although there's a massive case for that that year, Adibayor. I mean, he was unstoppable. Unbelievable that year. Robin Van Persie at his peak wasn't quite there that year. Cesc Fabregas instead of Shaka. Uh, I mean, any time. <laughs> um probably the whole defensive line as well, probably the keeper. I mean, every, uh, I think 90% of that team probably changes, but there is, there, there is a, there is a case for, for Aubameyang Lacazette being miles, uh, the, the best, for me, the best attacking partnership since uh, the Omri Burkamp days, but, but Adebayor and Van Persie certainly come close. And Thierry Henry was, was in the, was in the mix around that time as well. Some good players there. Yeah. Very good players, big names, but as we as we know, big names doesn't mean uh, uh, big prizes. At the end of the day, it doesn't. You you mentioned earlier, you gave us a little peek into the future there, and I hope that you were correct in doing so with a, a Sheffield United Arsenal prediction. I'm wondering is whether that's your your feeling that you're going to lose, or or do you I have, have a... I have a feeling the writing's on the wall for Arsenal, and and it sounds harsh. I think they're going to get what they deserve. And I, I wanted to come back to this. I actually sat in the Bournemouth end at the Emirates. Um, one of our mutual friends had a, had a spare ticket. And I thought, you know what? I'm quite interested. Um, not to mention it's about under half the price to go in the away end to the same game. Um, doesn't make sense, not really. Um, but seeing it from a different angle and, and being able to almost let my Arsenal bias go ever so slightly to kind of conform to the... To the to, to, to the uh, to Bournemouth fans, I looked at us and I thought, we can take this team. When I was thinking as a Bournemouth fan for, for a split second, when I, uh, although there were a couple of times I forgot and, and uh, did scream a couple of times at Arsenal 
missed some chances. Um, I thought this team don't look great at all. They look there for the taking. They look like the club who, who was struggling to get points. And uh, and Bournemouth in the second half certainly could have easily taken Arsenal. Could have easily won two three one um, if it wasn't for a, for, a, for a few bad misses. Ryan Fraser came on. I thought looked fantastic. Someone we probably should have signed. Um, Premier proven um, last summer. Um, I I just have this feeling on a Monday night after an international break um, they'll be a bit, little bit rusty. Um, I've got a feeling Mesut Ozil is going to come back in the fold and the momentum with the team and, and all the gelling. It's just, it's just not going to... I just don't think it's going to work. So I, I'm going to uh, put my head on the line here and I'm going to say 2-1 Sheffield United um, on Monday night. Obviously, I want to be proved wrong. Obviously, I want to see 4-0 Arsenal. Um, I'll be my first, the first to uh, put my hands up if that's the case. Um I've just got this feeling they know they're in a good position now, Arsenal. And with the mentality that the club's had recently, that might just freak them out. Um, I'm not sure about you with Tottenham. I mean, I I can only see a Tottenham win. I can only see a 3-0 win, a hurricane hat-trick, and everything's la-di-da-di-da, it masks everything, which I'm, I'd always like to know, in your opinion, whether that's a good thing in a way, whether, whether, whether in fact, if, you, if you're winning, that masks... Um, a lot of the major issues that, that you've just discussed, or whether you think uh, the downfall is going to continue and, and uh, you know, one Troy Deeney goal uh, to send Pochettino potentially packing if he loses that. I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if, if that was the, um, if that was the last uh, straw. Uh, it's an interesting one. I, I hope that we win. We should win. We're at home to a team who, have struggled a lot this season, although obviously against Arsenal, we saw that Watford is still capable of pulling a result out of the bag. It would be typical if... I don't, I'm not sure if they've won yet this season. It'd be typical if they got their first win against us. Um, I think if we do win, it will be narrow. I can't see us thrashing them. Obviously, I hope we do, but I think it will be a, a 2-1 win if it is a win, if not a 2-1 defeat. Um be very interesting to see. I'll, I'll go with a 2-1 Tottenham win to stay positive. I think we do need to get back to winning ways. I don't think things will. I don't think things will, will get sort of brushed under the carpet now. I think the, the Bayern and Brighton results put things out in the open. I don't think those will be forgotten anytime soon. And I think even if we do go on and have a successful season and it papers over the cracks, I think a lot of those players will still be leaving anyway. And there will still be big changes. So I'm not so worried about us forgetting the issues that need to be solved because I think a lot of them are going to solve themselves because a lot of players, I think, will definitely be leaving no matter what and potentially even the manager as well. So I'm, I'm, I'll be pretty happy if we win both in, in the short and long term, but it will be interesting to see whether or not we do. Wow. So it's it's, uh, it's all to play for, certainly, in Spurs. Spurs need to win. You know, you're 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 up against it now. You've already got teams performing, um, not playing well, but getting the points on the table. And we know, come uh, come mid May, it's all about the points on the table. Nothing else really matters because it's bragging rights and and it has implications on where you're playing and what you're playing next year. Indeed, it does. I think our, our next Premier League game after Watford, I think, might be Liverpool away which 
I think you might be right because I'm actually in Liverpool that weekend, um, watching hopefully in a pub, uh, watching Liverpool beat Spurs. Well, hopefully we can get some revenge for that Champions League final defeat. Who knows? Who knows?